Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The Austin trip is over and Jamie is the US champ. Yeah, as I say, the intensity going on behind the scenes to uh, to improve the cars on this new circuit was... Uh, crazy with the engineers and then of course on track it may look like we were just circulating having a good time but uh yeah it was uh seriously hard work and fpr's woes continue yeah you know it's not it's not bad luck it's something going on so we need to change it that's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the v8 insiders Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Jamie Winkup has won three of the four Austin races to make a dominating display of driving. For a driver who insisted he wasn't prepared for the event, he displayed a championship-style performance. Whenever we, uh, whenever we go overseas, um, the, the locals really look after us and put on a, a, a great event. And um, I always seem to like to step up when, uh, when, the, when the quality's high. So um, crazy, crazy hot out there. The, the cars are just... Uh, I feel like I've, I reckon I've lost six months of my life, uh, you know, this weekend with the uh, with the intensity. But um, yeah, all in all, couldn't couldn't be happier with the weekend. You can hear more from Jamie on this week's Munro White Flag Lap. The only other winner on the weekend was an also consistent podium getter, Fabian Coulthard, winning the race, but under a cloud as the team had another safety car restart problem. You know, I heard over the radio that it was green flag go go go, and then it was a no 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 no. So I did the best I could to, you know, I, I admit I accelerate away, but you know, I tried to make it so we all bunched up, and I didn't get an unfair advantage um, as the green flag actually was called. But you know, it was a radio communications problem within our team. Um, we've had to change, change radio frequencies a couple of times throughout the weekend because there's two people on my channel, so um, that made it a little bit difficult, so that's a contributing factor. Craig Lowndes had three second-place finishes, only once off the podium. We, uh, we had three out of the four good races, although you know, admittedly the, the last race, although we, didn't, uh, we finished fifth, but it was a great race, like one of those races you don't win, but you're satisfied with yourself because you, you started so far back. Um, worked our way through it. We had a great pit stop, um, so that it was a great team effort. Shane Van Gisbergen's third place in race 16 was a testimony to his team's consistent performances throughout the weekend. Yeah, I think we qualified in the top 10 every race, and then um, one of us was at least in the top five every race. So that's been really cool. It's been a great weekend for the team. We're almost up to HRT in the team's points, so keep pushing on to get that. Frosty Winterbottom looks set for a victory until his pit stop in race 15 of the championship dropped him back to eighth position we asked him about the frustration and what he can do about the ongoing pit issues at fpr it's not really my role as a driver i think um you know we drive the car and try and drive it as fast as possible and stuff and 
that the team are all qualified in that area to, you know, they'll meet and they'll, um, they'll go over it and uh, try and address the issues. So we've had three or four, five this year, so we just um, really got to seriously have a good look at it and stop it because it's... Um, yeah, you know, it's not it's not bad luck, it's something going on, so we need to change it. Steve Sexton is the CEO and president of the Circuit of the Americas and he talked about why they wanted the V8 supercars in Austin. We originally went to uh, Tony Cochran and had discussions with him at the time uh, in terms of bringing a product to America uh, that we thought it had a chance for uh, long-term success and to bring it in and diversify it. If you looked at the... Um, content across North American motorsports tracks, you guys probably follow enough to know um, what types of races are at particular circuits and or speedways, and there's you know a fairly limited number of races um, that draw large numbers of people and sell tickets that appear at those various raceways and, and tracks. And so our goal is, excuse me, our goal is to go out and um, try and find content or series uh, that can come that can be developed in North America. And we've always championed ourselves as home of the world championships, premier international scale motorsport, of which we've got three, V8 Supercar, MotoGP, and F1, and to differentiate ourselves from the other circuits in the country. And I think we're well on our way to do that. You can hear more from Sexton on next week's Munro White Flag Lap. The latest edition of VNX Magazine is out now with the iPad edition on sale at the mag shop, hard copies in store, and check out v8x.com.au for when the Android and PC editions of the latest mag will be available. Coming up after the break, Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino will join me to look at Austin. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, live on tape from Austin, Texas. And joining us for the roundtable this week, it's none other than Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport and Adrian Mussolino from the V8X magazine. And uh, Adrian, new edition is out now. Uh, yes, it is. Um, it's a very special edition, if I do say so myself. Um, it's practically a relaunched issue where we've redesigned the whole magazine um and yeah it's a new look and hopefully the fans enjoy it Mm. plenty of uh stories in that magazine including of course uh, an interesting interesting article by uh myself with Russell Engel talking about his career but you have to buy the magazine to find out more about that but there is plenty more than that in this magazine Peter we're here in Austin and uh, certainly all the talk is about how well this circuit uh, drew in a crowd and welcomed the V8 Supercar Circus it's been a fabulous trip for all Australians Uh, walking around the circuit uh, over the last three days I can't remember going to a race meeting where everyone was so happy 
everyone who's here for a, a relaxed time. Uh, the Americans were great hosts. Uh, it's a really nice vibe uh, here in Austin. Adrian, you, you and, uh, well, all of us have been travelling together for a l- few days now. It seems like a lot longer, but uh, uh, that is definitely the vibe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think any of us knew what to expect coming here. Um, you know, we obviously the events in Bahrain, China and Abu Dhabi previously have been very hit and miss and more miss than hit, to be honest. But I think coming here, we weren't really sure. It's a long way to come. There's no local American interest in the series. Um, so I think we're very pleasantly surprised that we've got, what, 68,000 over three days Um that's you know even if that's a bit exaggerated that's still a pretty good crowd there were definitely people here and they did seem to enjoy it all right now i am firmly of the opinion that that crowd is fairly accurate peter you get out and amongst the crowd the the most of all three of us can you believe sixty-eight thousand over three days this complex is huge uh yes it was the cut down circuit not the full formula one circuit but even then it is still huge um yeah the grandstands were not full but there was a solid sprinkling in the stands, on the grass. Um, I believe that number. Um, I think that uh, it was a, a solid result. And it was funny, as an Australian, I, I was hoping, hoping that it was a success. Because, you know, I think uh, Australians and anyone to do with V8 supercars, you know, they're, they're proud of their product. And we hoped that the uh, North Americans would connect with it. And uh, I say North Americans on purpose there because I bumped into lots of Canadians and uh, it was a a multicultural uh, aspect to some of the crowd as well. I bumped into a guy from Norway, for for goodness sake. Um, Yeah, it attracted quite a, a broad range of race fans, not just V8 supercar fans, because the support category uh, the categories were quite good as well. Mm. We saw a lot of racing. Interesting that the support categories had uh, an American, mm. American bent. They sounded like American race cars, and Jamie Winkup was saying, when we come back here, we've got to pull the mufflers off them because they don't have the same noise restrictions in America that we do in Australia, Adrian. Yeah, that was a big feedback I had from the Americans here, and especially those working here at the event who weren't very impressed with the sounds of the cars now remembering they've come off f1 and motor gp events so i think that definitely needs to be looked at i think there's probably three areas where things need to be looked at i think soft tires have to be run here we need that degradation we need that strategy because the short circuit really didn't lend itself to overtaking um the long circuit is probably a better circuit to race on but i don't think you can in the sense of it'll just draw out the crowd even more um, and, and perhaps format maybe next year looking to add, you know add go to an extra level with a you know lo- bring the local drivers into the main series. Mm. It's an interesting problem because uh, as uh, Fabian Coulthard said two three weeks ago when he was here he was wearing a, a jumper. Now we had a record yes uh, yesterday being Saturday we had a record high temperature for the history of the Austin area. Um, it's been uh, lovely and warm. In fact, you know, a bit uncomfortably warm uh, for people who aren't acclimatised to it. Uh, and that added an extra element to the, uh, the the poor old drivers having to put up with the heat and cool suits failing, that sort of stuff. Um, it is quite remarkable that the tyres lasted so well uh, in these conditions. Interestingly enough, on uh, Thursday it was now, uh, Cameron McConville took the prototype car out for a run with soft tyres and uh, speaking to Fitzy uh, from Dunlop, uh, he said, no, that was never a tyre test. It was actually in case 
they had an American come over and they wanted to give him the soft tyres to uh, help him negotiate learning a V8 supercar. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll find the soft tyres weren't used here. One, because it was such an unknown in terms of the track, but also, two, there was an added expense because you'd have to bring more because they'd go through more. Um, so that's going to be an issue to look at next year, considering tyre allocations being cut from every round to save money, um, which is a big thing for teams at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's an iffy one, but I think, as we saw the racing wasn't great. It was good. It wasn't great. So if soft tyres can help spice that up, then I think it definitely needs to be considered. It's been a year of uh, tough news for V8 supercars, Peter. This is a real good news story. Yes, it is. Um, and I think the last couple of months, you're right, in a business sense, there's been a few blows that they've taken uh, where the TV rights didn't work out the way they'd wanted. You know, the dividends to the shareholders, including the teams, is... Uh, well, zero, while they uh, sort of in a holding pattern, while they reinvest, try to rebuild some of the business side of things. But at the same time, we've had great racing. Um, the car of the future has delivered some great uh, great TV, uh, which is where I think that uh, our expectations coming here were a little bit high. We'd seen the ads. You know, the TV clips and everything made it look like every race was action every lap. Yeah. And I think we're all feeling a little bit down because... We didn't deliver that today. Yeah, no, I agree with that. <laughs> that commercial had featured every VSC crash for the last five years, it seemed, within a 30-second ad. And that was always the danger. How do you market this event to an audience who doesn't have an interest in it? There's no American drivers. There's no really American cars, you know. Um, so um, it, that was always the difficult part. Um, hopefully the fans go away and think they're intrigued and learn more about the series i think the key now is that they follow it from afar get to know the drivers get to know the series get to know the championship so in 12 months time they come back and they're more in tune with what it's all about interesting dean fiori said to me it was the best two days of autograph sessions he's had in his career of racing he said the fans were so genuinely interested in them and jazz mostert said he uh he said that it was great because the teams they Obviously, after the first couple of races, you could see the front-running teams to the back, but here he was at Dick Johnson Racing getting the same or similar attention to what some of the better-known teams are up and down the grid. Yeah, I mean, I found the American fans, they were really keen to get to know the drivers. And again, it's about, you know, as opposed to a Bahrain and RBW, and I'm not picking those countries, but America has a racing culture. It gets it, it you know, so they're more willing to learn and sort of they know how it all works and I think what you find as well is the Australians who are here are the hardcore fans and the real you know committed ones and so they had a great combination of new fans to the sport and the really hardcore traditional ones so mm. it's a good mix and interestingly enough those hardcore fans one of well some of which are known as affectionately as team coat and uh, they were making the Austin papers when they were getting around in what was over 45 degree heat wearing the uh, famous Bathurst duffel coats. Uh, yes, that, that heavy woolen uh, ex-army coat that's uh, so well uh, almost worn out. Um, yeah, it was uh, one of those sort of, uh, you know, great to see it, but maybe perhaps a bit of cultural cringe to see it here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's part of the culture of the V8 supercars, isn't it? So uh, it's good to see uh, that uh, the, the local media uh, took an interest in that. And there were some choice quotes. It was a, a you know, pre- 
projecting the Australian stereotype in a very fun way. Mm, hopefully, uh, if I can get a photo of the uh, article, I'll stick it up on to the website at sportradio.com.au. And uh, Adrian's nodding as if he might even do the same over there at v8x.com.au. Guys, we need to take a break here in Austin as all the teams behind us are packing up the uh, equipment to get it ready for the flight back. And as we spoke last week on the show, most of the, uh, well, a goodly number of teams and crewmen are uh, not actually going to be getting home all that soon. They're taking their time to, uh, to go back and see some more of the country and take some well-earned break. So a break and then back with more here on the Van Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the Van Insiders. Editor of VNX Magazine is Adrian Mussolino and Inside Motorsports, Peter Norton. Join me, Craig Ravel. And guys, there was some racing on, although there was a lot of atmosphere going on elsewhere around the circuit and around the city of Austin, which is very much a party town. It uh, really lends itself to a good time. Well, Austin is known as a college town. It's all of these university kids who uh, study hard and they party hard. Um, and it's known as a, a music and band city. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was a perfect place uh, for V8 supercars to come for a, for a bit of a hit out. Unfortunately, Adrian, with the uh, drinking rules in place and all the, all the uh, legislation that V8X magazine has in, no one could really partake of uh, some of the uh, more elaborate districts, but... It certainly didn't stop some of the team men over the weekend. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Before the event had even started, there were two reported arrests. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting one. It was sort of swept under the carpet to an extent, but it did make the, the daily papers a bit embarrassing, to be honest, for the series. It's not what you want. You know, this was always pitched as, you know, a bit of a party event and... Um, it's just a shame it wasn't left for after the event as opposed to the Wednesday before. That was a bit of a shame, and I think those two individuals um, might need a talking to. Mm. All right, race number 13. It became a bit of a procession after Fabian Coulthard qualified on the pole because Red Bull Racing picked up from where they left off in Perth and drove away with it with Jamie and Craig 1 and 2. Fabian Coulthard, though, showing that Brad Jones Racing is still well and truly on the pace. Um, I actually think that uh, Red Bull extended their small advantage they had from Perth. They got something uh, out of the box here that gave them an edge and, uh, you know, wasn't quite a clean sweep, but, uh, you know, it very much could have been. And Brad Jones racing, um, they'd lost some of that edge they had earlier in the season and they were playing catch-up. And I think what we saw across the weekend is that they did catch up a little bit and, of course, Fabian taking one win. Mm. Adrian, your thoughts on on race 13, which was the same podium on race 14. The real changes came from 4 through 10. Yeah, I mean, pretty ominous from Red Bull. And, 
you know, we say Triple Eight struggled at the start of the season, but they were still racking up podiums. Craig Lance did still win the first race of the year, so they were there or thereabouts. And now that they've really found their way with Car of the Future, it looks pretty ominous. They're back to their old form. Um, let's just hope for the series' sake that Brad Jones and FPR can keep with them. Um, but I do think there's something about Triple Eight and these international tracks, these big open circuits, they just seem to nail set up quickly. Jamie is just, I don't know what it is about him, driving style, commitment, preparation. He just seems to nail them. And I think we saw that on on Saturday. He just came out of the box and he creamed him, basically. Jamie all weekend, though, Peter was saying, this is the least prepared I've been for a race in years. Well, he did make that comment uh, because of the travel and, and other things. He wasn't in the, the usual, you know, taking a couple of days to mentally zone in. Um, but, uh, oh dear, if he can uh, prepare better and race better, everyone else is in trouble. Mm. Well, looking at race uh, 13 and 14, as I said, they had the same podium. But the big interest there for me was Jonathan Webb 7th in the first race and then in race 14... He was in a 1-2, a Techno 1-2, with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen in 4th and 5th positions, and those cars really showing good performance right across the weekend. Yeah, they had a really strong weekend, and they've been a bit quiet since Clipsal um, when Van Gisbergen won there. You wonder if the information that's turned Triple Eight's fortunes around are sort of slowly filtering down to the customer team, and... Um, I think that might explain why they've suddenly jumped up in performance because they were right there or thereabouts in that sort of second-tier group behind the Red Bull cars. So I think definitely they found something this weekend and um, good to see Van Kiesbergen back in the form and Webb sticking with him as well. I think it's good for that team. It looked as though they'd lost their way a bit after Clipsal. Peter, HRT's still all over the shop. Uh, yes, they'll qual- qualify you know, towards the back of the field and then... You know, in another race, just miss out on a podium. Um, it really is up and down, and uh, you know, they're in the wilderness searching, and occasionally they come out, but then they go back in. There's a real spectre of darkness hanging over Walkinshaw Performance and HRT, Adrian. Definitely, and there just doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel. I think it was in Tasmania where they it looked as though they were turning the corner and Garth was scoring podiums and James was right there as well, but they've really gone backwards ever, ever since and um, all the changes with the front end, they don't seem to be working. They resisted going with Triple Eight's front end, which probably looks like a mistake at the minute. And, yeah, I mean it's a worry and when we talk about Triple Eight's dominance we have to look at the factory Holden Ford teams and really blame them to an extent because they're not where they should be No and we might looking at other performances I think before we get on to Sunday particularly and, and some pit lane performances of FPR we need to really credit what Jack Daniels Racing, Norton yeah. Racing are doing because Rick Kelly out of the box into sixth place. Now, admittedly, whilst this track has a very long run and a very long uphill, the rest of the circuit where it's coming down the roller coaster and then the very technical backside of it was really working towards the uh, Nissan's or working away from the Nissan's power plant deficit, and Rick particularly was able to get every ounce of performance out of the chassis. Now, that could really mean that once they've got the uh, horsepower fixed up, Adrian, they're going to be dominant. And if they can get it fixed up by Sandown and Bathurst, they're going to be really 
giving it a shake. I think so. I think it's only a matter of time before they snare that first podium and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they win a race this year, to be honest. Um, obviously, it's not going to come at the Enduros because there's fuel economy issues and engine issues. But at these sprint races, they're just getting better and better. And I think Rick was in the top 10 all weekend. The Nortons were right there. Um, you know, that's pretty impressive for such a new project and a new car. And, uh, you know, I'm blown away by the job they've done. Um, I think it's fantastic. And they are looking like the long-term threat to Triple Eight, more so than anyone else. What was fascinating about them, it, it through the, some of the windier bits and the bumpier bits, the cars looked untidy. They, they looked ragged, but the, the, the speed is definitely there in the results. So uh, uh, not only are they getting faster, they're entertaining to watch. Yeah, they can be thrown around, and you know Todd and Rick say that they're great race cars to drive. They just need that horsepower. So I think once they get it, they, it could be a, a real demon. A real interesting thing is they probably still have some Holden engines if they could fit one in. Because the important thing is once you've got speed, that changes the handling characteristics. And I talked to a number of drivers over the weekend who, you know, Tim Slade and and other people who are saying. The cars are handling about all right, but once you get more speed, you're approaching corners differently, you're attacking things differently, and then you don't know what you've really got. Yeah, I, th- I think what teams are finding is they're still at a very early stage of the learning curve with these cars, and there's more potential to be untapped. So what we're seeing now with AAA, I think, is the first sign that you know the, the smarter people in the paddock are really getting it and getting on top of it and um, I think now we might see the sort of established order you know come back to the fore um, well I was just distracted there looking at uh, I suppose the, uh, the the other new guys into the uh, series and that's probably Mercedes uh, or AMG and uh, they've uh, well, look, Slade was 22nd in the first race. Holsworth was the best at 20th in the second race. Um, then you're looking for a Mercedes. Slade was best at 20th in the race 15 on the Sunday. And what have we got? Mercedes, once again, Tim Slade best at uh, 17th. And that's why there's no surprise I went and spoke to Tim yeah. at the end of racing this weekend. Well, similar to... Yeah, coming here and, and you, you hope for the event to be a success. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are hoping for Mercedes to be a success as well. Um, but more often than not, the bonnets are up, mechanics are under the car. Um, you know, yes, you've picked out some results. Some of them are showing a little bit of progress. But you know, there's always one or two cars that's in real strife, and typically it's mechanical. Yeah, I think what we're finding there is there's such a big culture clash almost between what's happening in Germany at AMG and what, you know, the Stone Brothers, Erebus side of things back in Queensland. And it's taken them a while to get on the same page. And even now that they've made the changes, to, you know, for the throttle system, etc., they're not really getting the gains that they thought they would. So I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement there um you've got to remember because it's not a factory effort the the time lag to develop all these things is almost double that of what nissan can do so i think that'll become a problem throughout the rest of the year and a lot of talk in the media center about blow-ups between key personnel uh 
you know, shouting matches were reported to be seen in and around that Erebus garage between very senior people, which yeah. can't work for Team Harmony. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some interesting characters in that garage, and it's we've got to remember as well with the Kellys, Nissan just came in with their funding, and, and it's essentially the same team structure and personnel. With Erebus, it's not only a new car and all, all that; it's a new team essentially. So you've got the new of Erebus and the old of Stone Brothers, and I don't know how well it's mixing, to be honest. All right, Fabian Coulthard got a win in race. Oh, I'm trying to think. 15 now, and keeping the numbers in check is getting more and more difficult. But it was under some controversy with another restarting mishap almost costing him the race. Well, exactly. Um, quite a, a thick rule book for restarts after safety cars about uh, you know, how close you have to be and the speed that you have to maintain and all of those sorts of things. Uh, and you're spot on. Uh, he took the chequered flag, but there was a, a cloud of uncertainty because uh, some people thought that he hadn't uh, you know, maintained correct speeds and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, that uh, passed muster and we didn't have a, you know upsetting uh, change to the results. But by race 16, Wing Cup's back in front, Adrian, and you have to say, by the balance of the stats, he is now the V8 supercar champion of America. Oh, no, no doubt, and, and that's it for, for this year. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, uh, there is something about these international events that he seems to get, which, you know, in my mind prompts the question... Does he need to get over here into NASCAR or sports cars or something? Because he clearly, you know, he can bring his game from Australia and deliver and crush his opposition so comfortably. I mean, what is it, 17 of 27, something like that, wins overseas? Um, I think we do need to ask now whether he's almost too good for VS Supercars. All right, notable performances, Peter, that uh, you saw across the weekend. And, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting one because people were out to lunch at times and back into it. But a man who's going to Europe this weekend at least started to finish on a high. Uh, yes, uh, of course, that's Jason Bright, who uh, uh, instead of flying off to... You know, New York, Vegas, Indianapolis. Um, he's uh, off to Europe, uh, a bit of a holiday, but then uh, has testing and other uh, commitments there to prepare for his Le Mans uh, assault. Uh, so I wish him all the best for that. Um, he proved how difficult it is if you qualify poorly. Um, now, I mentioned earlier that Triple Eight had found a little magic uh, and Brad Jones Racing were playing catch-up. Fabian caught up a little bit uh, earlier than uh, Brighty did. Um, so, you know, he qualified well, let's call a spade a spade. He qualified very poorly in the Saturday races uh, and used, a, I guess, a, an extreme strategy to try to stay out in clean air uh, to utilise some speed to uh, move his way up the, the finishing grid. And, yes, he, he made a, a bit of progress, but uh, when we get to the pointy end of the championship year, he's going to look back at his US trip and go, oops, that's where it may have slipped away. Uh, on Sunday, uh, in particular for the last race, he did quite a bit better, qualifying much better. Uh, but uh, on Sunday, yeah, car number eight, got an eighth and eighth. Mm. Chaz Motster, after two race events now in V8 Supercars, is really, he, he's underlined. We know the equipment is, you know, well, it's brand new, but it's not at the level of development that the other Ford teams have. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's come in and basically crushed, no disrespect to Tim Blanchard, but he has, you know, really outperformed him and he has proven that all the talk of him being as good as he is is true and there's a reason why the factory forward team was behind him and we, we're seeing that and um, to come straight in, you know, when the season has started and just sort of perform as he is is very impressive and I think he's setting himself up for a move to that factory forward team next season definitely. But uh, is part of that success the fact that, uh, as I understand it, an FBR engineer has come across and they'd be sharing data to that car that wouldn't actually be trickled down to the other car? Yeah, possibly. I think we've got to remember with Dick Johnson now that they are essentially a fifth and sixth Ford Performance Racing entry in much the same way that Techno is and Lucas Dumbrell is for Triple Eight. Um, but I think, you know, for Mostert to have that confidence to just come in and, and perform so well, you know, considering he hasn't performed in the main game before, he didn't, he hasn't done Enduros before, so um, things like pit stops and all that are new to him, and um, so far so good, there's been no real silly rookie mistakes. Mm. Well, Peter, your Austin notebook, what, if, what are you taking out of this weekend? Um, as you said earlier, is Win Cup too good? Um, will he harm the commercial success of this series? Uh, we need to make sure it's still interesting and, and we get bums on seats. Uh, but uh, the standout performance, uh, as we touched on a bit earlier for me, is uh, Techno Autosports uh, stepping up the grid a little bit. Um, that's, uh, that's been a bit of a, a turnaround from recent form. Adrian? Um, aside from the success of the event, I think it's a question of not just Triple Eight's domination, but where's the opposition? I mean, HRT, factory holding team, nowhere. FPR, you know, what can you say about the mistakes in, in in the pit stops? It just, it keeps happening. Ten years on, it's still going on. And there's a reason why they haven't won a championship in a Bathurst. And, you know, they are the two teams that should be there with Triple Eight and making this championship, um, you know, a real battle between different teams and drivers. And they're not there. And they're giving Triple Eight a free path. Mm. Well, for me, it was a comment Shane Van Gisbergen made to me. You heard it in the news. They are now in the hunt in the team's championship to get uh, HRT. And as a team, they're working on beating the factory team in the championship. I thought that was a great quote from him. And I thought it was a very interesting measure of where they see themselves. I think something the big story for me in the next 12 months or so in Viet Supercars is what is going to happen with the factory Ford and Holden team because I don't think Holden will cop this for much longer especially when you have Holden teams winning consistently and HRT, the factory team, with the funding isn't and then obviously what Ford's going to do with its contract up at the end of the year and um, again, you know, they'd look at a performance like today and think, well, what's the point? We've got quick cars and yet we're not delivering so with all these talk of new manufacturers and things like that I think we could see a big change in the landscape coming in the next 12 or so months. Mm, Peter and the big rumour in the Austin Media Centre was we're within two to three weeks of Chrysler being announced at one of the teams and everyone's assuming that's Gary Rogers Motorsport. Yes how exciting is that Uh, I think that the uh, introducing new manufacturers having two is good but you really have to go the whole hog and really introduce some uh, real variety and depth across your field. And uh, Chrysler is another step along that way. That would be great. 
Um, I was sitting in the pits earlier watching the um, World Challenge, I believe it's called, support race, which features a Kia touring car drive past and a very, very senior person of Viet Supercars, I won't say who they are, said, I won't be surprised if that's on the grid in Viet Supercars in the not-too-distant future. So reading that, what you will, um, I think there's a lot happening behind the scenes. I do think we are moving away from Ford Holden and that's why the pressure is on those factory teams, as I said, who have to perform. And of course, uh, Scafi on Thursday night has alluded to the fact that Chrysler's a done deal and it will be here very, very soon. As I said, we're expecting two weeks and then there is a Korean manufacturer that will be in by the by next year. Now, of course, he didn't say that, but that was the way his comments were driven everyone who was there to believe yeah he said that it could be paired with you know he said for example if there was a korean manufacturer we could be going to korea for a race which you wouldn't say that if there wasn't smoke there he hasn't been talking manufacturers since you know certainly since amg but since even nissan he hasn't been talking about other manufacturers absolutely and i think nissan's performance today will help inspire the Chryses and the Kias of the world um, to show that, you know, with some factory backing, they can make an immediate impact and have an, an immediate impression. And and we saw that today with the amount of Nissan activation at the track and amongst the media and things like that. And um, there's something brewing, definitely. Uh, it's, yeah, a person like Mark Scaife in his position doesn't make those comments without something going on. Well, guys, pleasure to catch up with you here. I know I'll see you both up there at Darwin very, very soon. Yes, I'm looking forward to uh, another race in a warm climate. It's much better than Canberra. Yeah, four weeks away. We could have a break after this jet lag. So um, definitely it's going to be interesting to see um, the pecking order in Darwin. And let's just hope we've got some competition. The white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Munro Shock Absorbers White Flag Lap, Jamie Winkup joins me and I ask Jamie if he is now the V8 Supercar Champion of North America following his dominant performance last weekend. <laughs> um, I, am, I am by the numbers. Um, fantastic event. Um, 68,000 people through the gates. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was huge. You know, the, everything they, they say everything they do over here is, is big and certainly the weekend was and very happy Red Bull Racing. Uh, we three out of four. Never off the podium either. Never off the podium either. So no, we got the silverware there. So it's, it was a fantastic weekend. What did you make of 
coming into here, what were you thinking about? Because you've seen a lot of international events before and yep. you've driven down the straight with two people and a dog in the grandstands. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were, we, I wasn't sure what to expect. I've um, never really been to the US. I've, I've travelled through here but never actually stayed. So um, it's been a, it's been a, a great opportunity to, um, to have a holiday and check out uh, the culture, um, which is phenomenally good so um yeah fingers crossed with, with the numbers we had with the crowd figures um that the uh the, the sport's back here next year and it builds momentum over time right over the weekend you've been very positive about what the circuit promoters have been prepared to do yeah. to satisfy the needs of these cars yeah they've been fantastic the the um the people over here are genuinely polite and genuinely want to help and uh they're forever thanking us for for coming over and we're certainly thanking them for having us so um the track is great you know it's a multi-million dollar circuit i I love high quality tracks you know i hate going to places that you know the side of the track's falling away or the curbs are 35 years old or something you know this is this was built two years ago and it's absolutely pitch perfect and um you know this this is the way racing should be formula one tracks normally are made for formula one cars this one did seem to suit the v8 uh yeah without it was it, it was physical you know there's uh because we do the short circuit we've cut out two big long straights which are opportunities to to take a bit of a breather so although we only did 100k per race it was a hard 100k you only get you only get a you know three or 400 meters down the straight here to to get a breath apart from that you're uh you're into the turns so it was it was hard work i'm I'm feeling uh mentally i'm feeling fantastic physically i'm feeling pretty pretty ordinary so i'm looking forward to a bit of recovery tonight and trying to uh trying to get the fluids back in for tomorrow i don't know if you know this but we were told yesterday was the hottest day for that day of the year in the history of records. Oh wow! Yeah, I was real interested when Fabian said he was here two weeks ago and said he had a jumper on. So you know, it's it's massively the, the temps massively popped up in the last couple of weeks. So maybe if we come back here, we try to we try to make it a little bit earlier, um, so it's a little bit cooler. But at the end of the day, that's all that's all part of it. Sixty-eight thousand people though, unseasonably hot weather, which the uh, promoters are saying does affect crowds. It bodes well for the way that the Americans have looked at this series. Uh, without doubt, you know, I think it's um, if if you look at the crowd figures, without doubt, it's a success. And you know, it's, I feel like we've got a lot more to offer as well. You know, we, once we start throwing soft tyres on the cars and taking the taking the mufflers off and making some noise, uh, I believe we can do a better job. So, fingers crossed, we're, we get an opportunity next year and we can come back and do it bigger and better. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders. There's a check of flag waves over another edition. My thanks to Jamie Wincup, Peter Norton, and Adrian Mussolino. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.